Hello, Vineyard. Hello, Vineyard. We're looking at that camera. Because I didn't know yeah, where to look. Yeah. Like, I, I did like a whole sweep. Yeah, but we're over here. There's a it, camera here, but it's not on, yeah. so we're well, over there's, here. There's lots of cameras. We're, we're always being watched. Hello. Hello, hello. It's great to see you guys. Well, rather, you're seeing us. Yeah, it's great to see us, apparently. Yeah, it, it is wonderful for you to be seeing us today. That would be the next big step when... We can. Well, I mean, th- that technology exists with like Zoom. <laughs> I know. But that was like, a joke. Yeah. But <laughs> we don't want to do Zoom. No. Yeah. I, I'm done with Zoom meetings. You're done you? Zooming. We still. It has its place. Yeah, it has its place. We do some Zoom staff meetings still, could just because it's been an email. Yeah. This could not have. We have some good questions lined yep. up. Yes. For you today. But how you doing, Dad? Everything going well? Like, it, you know, it's good. It's uh, it seems like we're staying busy. Um, still stuff going on here at the sanctuary. It's nice to be able to come back and do the show from here. Um, but uh, working hard in the foyers, making changes, you know, it's all... I've been saying to everybody, I feel like the Lord's been prompting us to get ready. And uh, not only in the facility, but, you know, in the things that we're studying and in things that are coming next. And um, really looking for uh, people. Uh, I, I have a sense that there's there's going to be a... God is going to do something significant with this time as far as getting people really sort of connected and coming back to the Lord and people coming to know him. And so, you know, I'm looking for sort of a return of the prodigals and also a, a, like a new move of, of God and bringing people who, um, who, want, who, who realize that something's not quite right in, in what they've been experiencing so far and that they need... They need God, and so they're going to be asking questions, and they're going to want to be a part of community, and I'm, I'm open to be all those things, uh, you know, as much as we can. We're trying to get ready to be those things and figure it out ourselves. It's going to be different. I was talking with one of my friends who, who pastors a church, and uh, he's, uh, he's only had about 25% of his people come back um, this, this much later, and we're very fortunate, but he lives in a place where the restrictions have been a lot harder, and... Um, you know, we're trying to figure out what it looks like next. What do you do next? And when you've spent, you know, years and years doing certain things and then all the momentum was lost. Yeah. And certainly God's bigger than that. But, but you know, we have to sort of figure out where do we go from here and what do we do next. And, you know, I was just, I was talking with Douglas earlier today. How do we, what we're trying to pray through is how do we really help people to feel connected again? You know, so a lot of people have stayed connected online, but there's different than than that yeah, sort of community connection. You know, this yeah, and this is yeah. you know certainly much more, in my opinion, a lot more connecting than yeah. Zoom calls. And, like, all tired of Zoom calls. But yeah, and certainly like, they, they have their place. They're good. Yeah. But, but moving forward, I keep people going. It's all about online. That's a component. But I really think it's the this it's the connection that's so important. Right. Um, and so we got to figure out how we do that and. Uh, how to how to help people feel more connected. So we're we're praying through all that as we continue to press on and all I, those things. I had a, a photo memory of my Apple photos. It might have been a Facebook memory pop up, and it was a picture from like my spot on stage, looking out into the room from a year ago. And uh, you know you couldn't recognize the building now. <laughs> you know, looking at that. So it's cool what this year allowed us to do as far as making changes. And you know, I'm excited. To see all the other changes coming up. Too. Yeah, it, and how, keep how this part of getting ready moves into the next part. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing, yeah, if God's up to something, I'm sure. And so, just want to be a part of that. Yep. So, anyway, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and we will get into our 
questions for today. I have this like notification. Tap anywhere with Apple Pencil. I don't want to. Okay. Uh, here we go. First question. Moses didn't enter the promised land just as David didn't get to build the temple. Do you think God shows us these examples of two of the greatest Bible characters missing out on these great accomplishments to teach us that sometimes we miss out on events in our lives because of our sin? Um, I, I think... Uh, here's, here, first off, know when I say this, that God loves these guys and, and that you can read about the fact that he loves them in Scripture and, and that forgiveness has happened and all those amazing and wonderful things. Um, and they still had their own pretty cool accomplishments. Oh, yeah, they had lots. <laughs> I mean, but Moses parts his sea. Uh, he had David lots. David uses but, a rock and, to kill and, a giant. You know, well, and, you know, Moses' problem was smacking the rock twice when he was told to smack it once, and that kept him out. Of seeing the end, David, you know, Chronicles tells us he had too much blood on his hands. He had some other issues too, um, and and I'm always glad that there's the the Bible heroes aren't perfect because we just wouldn't we'd never make it right. Um, but God can use imperfect people, but He does love and forgive them, and certainly use them in mighty ways. Uh, but to get back to your question, is there consequence of sin? Yes, absolutely. Is it is it? Uh, uh, are we, does it mean we're not forgiven? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But sometimes when we choose to go in ways that we shouldn't, um, there are consequences. And, and while we can be forgiven, and, and if we ask for forgiveness, we certainly are if we're followers, um, it doesn't mean that there's not some longer-term consequences. Now, sometimes he, he takes all those away too, but not always. And that's just part of the deal. So, uh, so yeah, you, you see... Um, things in the scripture and, and that there are certainly some consequences for us going our own way and doing our own thing and not being obedient. Um, but it, it doesn't mean that they need to, you know, it, it, God is so big that it doesn't separate us from him forever. It just says, okay, well, now there's going to, now it's going to happen differently than it may have um, as, as we sort of uh, put ourselves there. So, uh, yeah, good question and it's a good way to look at it. Um, and it was a good pickup in the read, um, that those things happened. And, and David, you know, he does everything but build the temple. I mean, I always get a kick out of that. God says, no, you can't build it. But he's, uh, so he says, okay. But he, he's like got every, the plans, the materials, everything but making it happen, David did. So, um, so you know, he still uses it. And Moses got him real close, right? And, and pretty confident, as I remember, uh, Moses got a look at it from a mountain, right? The promised land, but didn't get to go in. So... So it's kind of neat how God worked around that as well. And uh, um, and I'm sure David could sort of picture the temple. But, you know, and God was faithful and he showed up. And that's really the bigger part of the story is that the presence of God was there. Okay. All right, next one. Uh, could you please explain Numbers chapter 22, verses 20 through 22? Uh, maybe this person's translation wasn't preferable, but why did God tell Balaam to go with the men who would take him to Balak and two verses later, it says God's anger was aroused because he went. And that passage is this, out of the New King James Version. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you that you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. All right, and that's a great passage. Uh, and it's a lot of fun anyway, reading about Balaam's donkey, because that comes next. Um, and that's always been one of my, you know, people always go to that, you know, God can use a donkey, uh, and he certainly can, and, you know, Balaam's donkey could see the angel in the way, and, and, and Balaam couldn't, and 
Um, Balaam's donkey speaks, which I think is really cool. I would like to imagine it is the donkey from Shrek. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> donkey! <laughs> what did we always say about that? No more... Uh, well, there's another joke we're not going to mention. No, 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 not that one about donkey. <laughs> Good, it, it, it's Trek says it. Stop donkey or go on donkey or. There's a phrase I knew it earlier. Never mind. I just watched Trek too, but I don't know which one you're. There's just a thing that we say sometimes. No, nope, that's enough donkey or. Never mind. I've forgotten it now. That's the <laughs> I had. I, I knew it this morning. I knew it just a couple of hours ago. Um, anyway. So what's the thing? And, and it probably is a translation issue. So uh, and I had him, uh, Douglas, we, we read out of the New King James because it translates it better there, I believe, than in, like the NIV does. Because the NIV sort of makes it like, since they've come, go ahead and go with them. But it's really, here's, here's how I understand it. What God says to Balaam is, if those guys come and get you in the morning, go ahead and go with them. If. But even though they're there... Instead of waiting for them to come and get him to go, Balaam gets up, gets ready. It's like Balaam really wants to go. And so he, he shortcutted it. He's just like assuming it. And it, they, we don't have the scripture of them coming to get him. All, they had obviously shown up for that. But that morning, the idea is, look, if they get up and call you in the morning to go again, you can go with them. And Balaam just goes. And so he sort of short circuits that. That, I believe, is the problem um, there. And uh, I, you know, and Balaam was, you know, Balaam wanted to go and and say bad things about Israel and do all sorts of other stuff. So he had his own agenda, and our own agendas often get us in trouble um, because we'll short circuit the will of God to get our agenda done. So uh, that's, I think, what's going on there. But great question, yeah, really good. All right, next question: Can you please uh, tell this person if there is a significance of the phrase "a palace of cedar"? Is there something royal about cedar wood? Cedar was um, just really, it was uh, an excellent building material. It was aromatic, and it was also very resilient against bugs and insects. So it, it was like, a, it's, it was why it was used to build a palace. It was like the best wood you could get. Those, those, uh, those cedars um, were like the best thing going um, that you could build with. So I don't know of any connection beyond that other than it was a... Um, it, it was if you were it was like if you were going to build something the very best thing you could build you build it out of those cedars and that was the idea behind it that the palace was built out of those things it was a really significant thing so you know uh, good question a great question next one do you have any advice on how to lovingly deal with people who try to shove that postmodernistic mentality at us. Uh, this person tends to err on the side of not sticking up for what they believe in order to avoid disagreement or confrontation. But is that always the right choice? You know, it's probably often the right choice. Uh, you don't have to swing at every pitch, right? You don't have to swing at every pitch. And it really depends on the motive of the person asking the question. Like, you could, there's a difference. There's a difference between someone who is, who is trying to engage you because they're genuinely interested in what you believe then there is someone who just trying to bait you into an argument because they don't agree with you at all. And, and sort of having some discernment between what the heart of that person really is. But, you know, as I was talking about um, this idea of being in the, you know, a postmodern age, is that truth, um, people think that truth can be whatever they want it to be. And 
that's very difficult um, for us as believers because we know the truth. And, um, and so and it's beyond the idea, well, just because you believe it, it's true. It's, it's really got nothing to do with whether you believe it or not. It's either true or it's not. And, and uh, you know, like our friend Mike would always say, it's like gravity. You know, it's, it, it, gravity is true whether you believe it or not. It's what's sticking you to the planet. Um, and it applies to everybody. So it's a true thing, right? Um, and, and this is the same way spiritually. But, you know, in, in postmodernism, one of the things that it did... So sometimes the church seems to be a little afraid of it. It's really nothing to be afraid of. Because uh, it opens up... It, it sort of opens the door where, where modernism uh, was all about... Everything was scientifically provable. We still have some of the people believe that, you know, everything. It's obviously, not everything is scientifically provable, uh, which is another big statement that I, I don't want emails on. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but what postmodernism does, because modernism failed, right? Because everybody thought, well, now that we can, we can do everything, we can advance everything, and what we're going to have is utopia at the end of this, because we can fix everything with science. And unfortunately, it doesn't deal with evil. So what happens is they use science to make weapons of mass destruction and literally, you know, could have wiped out the whole deal out there in the mid-1900s. So so that the postmodernism then opens up the door again to spiritual things. Well, unfortunately, it, you know, then it opens it up to this big mess of stuff that's not true. So, but it does open the door. And I had this thought that, that people who really are seeking truth will find him. Uh, so it's okay. I don't, I don't mind people that are, if they're really seeking truth. Um, it's just, you know, unfortunately the enemy will deceive a lot of folks and, and they're going to miss out on the truth. And so what we, what we have to do is live it. That's, that's the best thing. I, it's not. It's more important than your words is your actions. More important than anything, it's really how you live this thing out. So just continue to love well and and uh, and press in like that with people. Awesome. He's uh, he's getting a phone call from mom, who's an occasional co-host. She's gonna have to wait though, because we got one question left. And <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna answer. <laughs> so sorry, mom, if you're watching this after the fact. Uh, he will get back to you. Last question, and then we will kind of go over our weekend stuff. Could you give a summary of the story that you're always talking about? They put always in. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, yeah. How much time have you got? We got? I got plenty of time. I'm here all day. I'll, I'll try and do it quickly. So, you know, that the idea of the story that we're talking about, that you need to get to know, is that is that there's these themes that run through Scripture. And, and, and if you get the basic themes, then you can see them all over the place and Scripture begins to really tie together. So that we talk about creation all the time and I, I try and get people thinking about a cosmic temple. And, and what I mean is, is it creation. Eden was a place where heaven and earth met. God was there. We were there as his image. That was the heart of God. That's what he wanted to look like. He gave us vocation which is we were going to be fruitful uh, and multiply and subdue the earth. That's what we were going to do. He was going to partner with us. He wanted us to do it. That's how God wanted to operate on the planet is through humans, you know, in partnership with us. And and so we were going to go and do that. But we didn't do that as, you know, we were basically really cool gardeners with God helping us. And then... Uh, 
And he said, you know, as gardeners, don't eat from that tree. But we do eat from that tree, and when we do, what we do is we bring into the world things that it didn't have before, which is the power of sin and the power of death. Those are the enemy's things. And, um, as, and so because we went that way, we sort of went into exile at that point under a different ruler. We ceded our authority to um, the one that God gave us. We ceded back to the enemy. And now we have a big mess, but but then you see, you know, very quickly we begin to see the plan of redemption. Genesis 3:15 is the beginning of that, and um, we we will run through the story of of God, you know, ordering things and having a people that He wants to dwell with, and then we're going to see a, an Exodus that happens. You know, in the book of Exodus, so there's a big idea, and he comes and rescues us, not because of anything we've done, because it's the heart of God, and then you get the idea of tabernacle, that's a place where heaven and earth meet again. And so we have that picture set up for us in the Old Testament, and then we'll see it again, because um, the people are going to continue to rebel and go their own way, and you'll see the idea of exile come up over and over and over again. Like, if you read through Judges, it's a theme, it's, it's, it's exile basically a way back, and, you know, the idea that God, because God wants to dwell with us, and you'll... You'll see in bigger pictures, and then we were just looking at um, uh, in, in Exodus 40 a couple of weeks ago. There is the tabernacle's built, and the presence comes, and there it happens. And then last week we were looking at it, the temple, and Solomon builds a temple, and the presence of God comes. And this week, when we get back uh, on the weekend, we'll be see we'll see the presence leave uh, of God because people rebel, and then we'll see the people go back into exile again. Um, and so there's that other story. And then God's going to make a way back for them. They're going to come back, and the prophets say, when we get back, we're going to build the temple, and the presence of God's going to show up. They get back, build the temple, no God, no presence. doesn't happen until Jesus comes. Then when Jesus comes, he starts taking on these pictures of who he is, that he's temple. And you really see it in, like, John's Gospel when you read the beginning. Because John, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was was, was God. And then you read on, and it says, and he he um, he came and dwelt among us. So the word there is tabernacle. He pitched his tent among us, and we, we beheld his glory. John, in that first chapter, goes back and grabs Genesis 1 through Exodus 40 and ties it all in his little prologue. Uh, and then when you get the prologue, that, that, that everything else in John you can see is about creation and new creation. Um, because he sets that idea up of, of the word and he's tying it back into the creation. And then he doesn't come back to that anymore. He expects you to look at that, hang on to that, and then read all of John's gospel through it which opens it up. And then, so we see Jesus comes, and Jesus is the temple. And now we've got a place where heaven and earth meet. And, and it's significant. And all the things that we talk about, the overlap of heaven and earth, we see it all in Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross at that perfect time, takes on all of the consequences that we've talked about of sin and the fall, defeats the power of sin, defeats the power of death, rises again, the firstborn. Many. It's a picture. And then uh, he goes and sends Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit dwells in us. And now we're a place where heaven and earth meet. Very significant. And, and the church is a place where heaven and earth meets. Uh, and, you know, we're the family being built. We talked about that next week. And we're moving towards um, the... Um, when Jesus comes, a new Jerusalem comes out of heaven to earth. And we're back to the way we started. But in the meantime, there's we're we're... We're back to our original vocations. That's why it's so important. We're partnering with God to make a difference on the earth now. And, and so there's all these neat parts of the story that if you can hang out of the bigger picture, then when you're reading through it, it all sort of opens up. Oh, that's why that's there. Oh, that's why that's there. So that's kind of what we're looking at. And um, 
already gave you a heads up on, on where we're heading into this week. We'll be in John 1 and be talking about Jesus as the temple. Exciting stuff. Uh, this weekend's worship set, for those of you uh, excited about that. I, I'm excited about it. You know, I don't know if anybody's really anticipating the set list for the weekend. But anyway, going to give it to you. Uh, we're starting off with the song Egypt by Bethel. Love that one. You're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory. And then, uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Pastor Angie will be with us as well. That'll do, donkey. That'll do, donkey. You got it. We just had to have a moment. I just needed to get my brain off hold. Here we go. That'll do, donkey. <laughs> Pastor Angie is leading the song Stones by Kim Walker-Smith. Uh, and then Micaiah is with us now, uh, my new sister-in-law. She's doing Your Nature by Carrie Job. Micaiah Dorfel. Micaiah Dorfel, yes. Nice. And then uh, Kimberly Laws, my wife, is going to do Great is Thy Faithfulness. I love it. And then Billy will end us, Pastor Billy will end us with Graves in the Gardens at the end. Oh, I love that one. It's going to be a fun set. Graves in the Garden. That's a, you know, the great idea, right? Because we talk about garden to garden to garden here all the time. Another story. So that's the set. You gave us a little sneak peek of the sermon. Yes. We really like the whole cliff notes of the, the series. Yeah, yeah, there so, it is. Good stuff. I'm going to load up the right page. We're hoping you guys can join us this weekend, whether in person or online, Saturday night, 7 o'clock, Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, and 11. Do that. Keep sending your Vine Press questions. Download the new church app. All that good stuff. And uh, we will see you this weekend. So Goodbye, goodbye Vineyard. Vineyard.